ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. Kirby Cook, welcome to ATV Talk. Thank you for taking some time out of your schedule working on hot rods to uh, talk ATVs. Man, awesome to be here. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, that's my, my pleasure for having you. Let, let's dive right in. Um, you sent me some cool photos of your hot rods, and you sent me a picture of Duncan. Would you so, tell me that story? <laughs> so we'll get, uh, yeah, get right into that. So, you know, um, growing up, loving the sport of ATV racing and I was probably, I, di- I didn't ride many quads. I wasn't into racing as a young kid. So I really didn't get into it till I was probably maybe 12, 13 years old um, riding BMX. So I, I love motocross. And then a couple of my best friends' family owned a dealership. And that, that's kind of what got me into um, ATV racing. Well, Duncan racing was always big and whether it was the Wavos videos or what it was, you know, Duncan racing international or, or this or that. <clears throat> and, uh, we'll, we'll go forward before we go back, but we, maybe the first year that I, that I raced pro at the nationals didn't have any big sponsors. So, but, but we wanted the bike to look cool. I think, uh spader spader had maybe just won the championship so i mean like we had to have a duncan racing graphics kit well about that time got an english bulldog and puppy and you know what are we gonna name him it's like let's name him duncan and you know the everybody's like duncan donuts i'm like no not duncan donuts and i'm like duncan <laughs> racing come on you know but uh so duncan was kind of an icon through my racing career and the shop he uh he'd go to a lot of the races with us but he was big on the uh he, he would always hide he would like sleep in random spots at the shop or he would always hide in random spots and i'd take pictures and i'd post them on facebook and i'd put where's duncan 
So I did it a couple of times and like people got interested because you'd have to like look hard to see him. And then so people would start uh, messaging me or, or, or comment on Facebook like, where's the today's where's Duncan photo? So I'd have to do a series of them like a couple of week and it turned into a big thing and everybody was always where's Duncan. But but yeah, uh, English Bulldog named after uh, Duncan Racing from me just basically seeing it everywhere that you know anything atv racing had something to do with because it was such a big a big thing on on all the platforms really so that was uh he uh he was a big deal in our lives you know he uh lived almost to 10 years he's been gone about six years now but uh yeah that that was the duncan story well that's pretty awesome thank you for sharing it and uh i wish he was still around yeah, that's a problem with those dogs. They don't have a very long life expectancy, but, uh, you know, they're fun while they're here. Right. Um, I also, in, in talking to you, you you talked about, um, and, and, and this is off the topic of ATVs, and I'm sorry, but it, it's going to give me a little backstory to get us into your ATV life. Um, you grew up with horses and cows um working uh, uh the farm the ranch whatever you want to call it and um how did that work out for you as far as keeping you in physical condition to race quads so about 7 years old uh my mom and dad split up and we moved to uh which is now my stepdad he had a big horse and cattle farm about 300 acres and I was young, you know, didn't really care anything about it because it was nothing but work. But it was, uh, you know, it, it really created a good work ethic for me. And was up whether we, whether we were getting up hay in the summer or, you know, you were, you know, the, the farm life doesn't end. Whether it's <clears throat> rain, snow, sleet, hail, high water, it don't matter. Christmas, Thanksgiving. The horses got to be fed, you know, they got stalls got to be cleaned. So I, I pretty much worked a lot. So he uh, he really taught me a, a good worth ethic in that. Um, but as far as physical condition, yeah, I mean, I, I was in the heat all the time. Um, but once I got all my work done, you know, I, and, that, and that's how I got into kind of riding. Uh, I didn't have, like I said, I didn't have any any mini quads or didn't race any younger years. But we, I had some dirt bikes, and then we um, got a 220 Bayou, maybe Kawasaki 220 Bayou. <laughs> when I when I was like, man, I bet I was 12 years old. So that was really one of the first ATVs that I really rode. You know, it was a little 220 auto shift with racks on it, and but we had all these trails and stuff around the farm and it was always who could go the fastest through them and this and that and I was competitive no matter what it was and so so yeah the farm life and and still you know still today it, it never stops you know there's always something going on you know that needs attention whether it's like I said hay in the summers or uh bush hogging or it's always manual labor uh luckily I've, I've kind of got into the to the shop and the hot rod side of things and I've kind of got away from it, but my wife really loves the the farm life and our new our new baby. He's uh he's definitely gonna be a, a little country boy. Um he's he just turned one, but he's all he's all about the he loves the the horses and sheep and goats and 
donkeys and whatever, you know, he, but, but yeah, it was definitely grueling manual labor for a, for a teenager. Especially not being born into it. You, you transitioned yeah. into it, correct? Yeah. Very quick. Well, just, just looking at you and, and, and looking back in the, in the racing, you seem like you're a bigger guy. So how did that affect you in your racing or how did it help you? Uh, my early years, you know, I, I tried to stay in shape, um, er, early, oh, six, oh, seven, when I first started running all the TT nationals and stuff, I, I got real lean. I got down to, you know, 170 pounds, 175 pounds, but that was still bigger compared to, to some of the other guys that are 140, like, Mitch Reynolds, Shane hit, they, you know, the, a lot of the, they weigh 150 pounds soaking wet. <clears throat> so, uh, it, you know, it, I was always bigger. And then as I progressed, um, yeah, I like drinking beer. So, you know, I always had, you know, it was hard to keep the weight off, <laughs> but, uh, you know, then I'd always, I, I was always close to 200 pounds, but it, that's the, that's the thing I loved about TT racing. Like I, I grew up, loving riding motocross um my first racing was actually cross country hair scrambles woods racing but i quickly liked motocross i wanted to build jumps and i wanted to go jump something and you know i wanted to i wanted to jump stuff so that's what i really enjoyed but i quickly learned that well, I quickly learned the older I got, it was a lot easier to race TT than it was motocross. Like I enjoyed it, but I couldn't run pro at motocross, but I could at TT. I could work all week, not have to ride, not have to work out. And I could go run top five in pro class at the TT nationals when I couldn't even hardly run top five in the A class at the motocross nationals. So that was really why I kind of got into racing pro at the TT nationals. Well, let me ask you this. If if you would have had uh, uh, more time, per se, in the training regiment, do you think that the conditioning was holding you back? Or just the fact that you like throwing it in sideways more than you like jumping? Um, if the level that the motocross guys are on is insane. Like, if you don't know ATV motocross, it is one of the most demanding, grueling sports there is. Yeah, it's not as long and drawn out as desert racing and this and that, but I don't know that I've ever been on the level. Of the, like, when I trained and actually rode, I wouldn't necessarily train. I went to the gym. I got lean. I was in, you know, some, some of the better shape of my life. And the best I would ever probably run – at the motocross nationals was I, I would do good. I, I think I may have placed top five in the A class at the motocross nationals just a handful of times. So yeah, maybe the training might have made it to pro am or whatnot. But it, those guys are. I mean, it's I could uh, I could drink all night and wake up hang hung over at the TT national and go out and podium. You know, so that that was the. Uh, the, the the fun of it for me you know like i said i i work you know running the shop especially as i got older younger younger days um i 
I love the, like I said, the motocross aspect of it, but yeah, probably being, not being able to ride, you know, the guys that are running pro and pro I am at the motocross nationals, they're training daily. So it's a regimen that you just got to stay on top of. You mentioned that you started uh, in the cross country style stuff. And, and, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get the filler for the backstory so that we can get into the, the in-depth stuff with the pro TT racing. So uh, I, I, I don't mean to keep taking you backwards. When you started, you said you started on the cross country stuff. That is a art form all on its own. Is, is it something you just didn't enjoy as much or, or was it less prevalent in your area? So cross country racing was actually big in our area. And we had all the trails, you know, growing up on a big horse, horse farm and lots of land and stuff. We had all the trails, had buddies that raced cross country, that their whole family, you know, that I, that I went into with the, my, a couple of my best friends that were brothers, their family owned the motorcycle dealership and they were big into cross country racing. Well, I, I raced a, and the way I was able to race cross country on a earlier scale when I was like maybe 14, they had some outlaw cross country races that weren't sanctioned. So I could ride a big bike and not be 16. And so that was kind of why I raced across country and did really well, you know, in the, in my early days of, of the 300 EX. And then I got the 400 EX, but then my sister started dating a guy that raced uh, ATV motocross and TT. And about it, it all kind of went hand in hand. About that time, I was probably 14, getting ready to turn 15, maybe. I was um, watching the, all the, the Huevos Grandes videos and kind of eat, sleep, and dream and ATV racing. Well, I was already got, like I said, got into like the motocross thing of it, but then he kind of, you know, and, and I seen, I seen all the, the TT racing on, on the videos and stuff, you know, we didn't have Facebook or uh, the internet was just coming along in the late nineties or early 2000, but you know, you didn't get on there to, to watch ATV racing videos because there wasn't no YouTube. There wasn't, you know, Facebook or MySpace or none of that yet. It was like, AOL instant message or whatever you talk to your friends on. So really the only thing that you would get to see any exposure on was the the videos that you would buy or dirt wheels magazine. Uh, you know, you'd go to the, I'd go to the grocery store with my mom just so I could go to the magazine section and look at the magazines. <laughs> but so back to my sister dating this guy that he was older, she was a year older than me and he was probably four or five years older than me. And he raced uh, motocross and was big into TT racing. And like I said, the only thing I had seen about really TT racing was what I had seen on some of the videos. And it really kind of intrigued me. Then I had the had a 400X. And he's like, hey, there's there, they would do a plowed track TT at a local um, motocross. They, so they, had, they did motocross and TT, but on like a Friday night, they'd do a plowed track TT where it was basically you'd go run a TT setup, but you, you'd run Nami tires because it would, I guess for the, the time frame, they could get it done quick and roll the track in and water and all this stuff. He's like, so, Hey, he's like, Hey, come, come race with us. And I was like, man, that'd be awesome. I'd love to come race. So I, like I said, I couldn't drive. So I, I went with them and I had a, a wood set up 400 X and they didn't run very many classes 
this was probably back in 2000, probably 2000, somewhere in there. And he's like, you'll be, just come, you know, come, you know, see if you like it. So I took my wood set up 400X and they run like four stroke class and a two stroke class and then like an open pro lamb class or something. So the four stroke class was all the guys that raced TT, the, the Raptors, the, the, uh, the built 440 X's that were big back then. So as I pulled the whole shot in this class, first time ever on a, and this being at a motocross track, they always did a gate drop, never did a gate drop or not. So I pulled the whole shot and I think I ended up finishing like fourth. Well, I was hooked, you know, here I have went out <laughs> and raced through all these guys. I was hooked. So that was probably early 15 years old. Well, then, you know, he raced motocross and I love jumping, but I'd never really raced motocross. And he's like, Hey, there's a race coming up at Rolling Hills, which wasn't far from our house. It probably wasn't 45 minutes, maybe from, from our house. And he's like, why don't you go race the motocross race with us? And it was a big sanctioned, uh, mid Atlantic ATV association race, uh, that Randy Dinkins had, uh, was a promoter of, and he's like, go race with us. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I'm pretty sure my parents told me not to, but they were gone out of town and I went anyways. So being a sanctioned race, I was only 15. I had to lie about my age. Uh, I had to tell them I was 16 <laughs> so I could race. And I stalled the bike in the start, uh, you know, cause here, like just a couple weekends ago, whatever, at this pod, I pulled the whole shot and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do good. Um, but stalled the bike on the start. So everybody goes, there was probably, I mean, it, it was big back then, you know, so all the classes had 20 bikes or whatever. So here I go barreling into the first turn, like last or close to it. And it's super dusty. And I'm, you know, I'm picking riders off really quick because, you know, 15 years old, you're full of piss and vinegar. You have no worries. You you're, you're not scared of anything. And, you know, a couple laps in, you know, I'm, I've probably picked off, I don't know, probably worked my way up to maybe 10th and the one I was telling you about the guy that kind of that I looked up to that my sister was dating he's like do not hit this jump it was it was just like a kind of like a single to tabletop it was it was fairly sketchy uh for for a younger rider well what do I do I hit it and I come up just, a, I come up just a little bit short, like just enough to case it for it to, you know, I'm riding a stock suspension 400X and it bucks me off the bike. So here I am laying on the backside of the tabletop. Well, the guys behind me aren't doubling it or, or singling, jumping onto the tabletop. They're, they're rolling the single and then jump on the tabletop. Well, one of the guys that we went to the race with us, there was about three or four of us. Uh, that, that rode together he uh i'd passed him and, and he was behind me so anyways he ends up jumping the tabletop and landed on me oh. and breaks my femur so here i am oh. 15 years old lying about my age my parents told me not to go race i go to get up and my leg does a 90 degree angle in the middle of my thigh nastiest oh. feeling i ever had um, so when you break a bone that big, 
that early in every crash you have from then on out in your career, you get up as fast as you can to see if you have that feeling. Like from then on out, any crash I had, I would get up as fast as I could to see if I had something broke. So, but anyways, uh, broken femur, um, backboarded out to the, um, to the local hospital and they're like, no, he's got to go to the, the trauma center. So I was transported to Wake Forest Baptist Medical Center where my wife is now the charge nurse over the emergency department um, to basically get a metal rod from my knee to my hip. So, you know, in the, uh, in the ambulance, they're like, you know, 16 year old male, uh, broken leg, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm only 15. So then my parents were out of town so somebody had to call them. So you know this how that is back when you had, yeah, this is back when there's no cell phones really. There was a pager. There was a pager yeah. that you you paged the thing and you put nine one one behind it. And this time it was actually nine one one. Like usually I would do it when I just wanted to call me back really quick because I wanted to go somewhere or you know permission to do something. But this time it was actually emergency. So yeah, they had they were up in Virginia or somewhere and had to you know, come to their kid that they told not to go racing with a broke femur. <laughs> yeah. How many, how many years did it take you to get out of the doghouse for that one? Well, um, I was a, let's see, I was a junior in high school in a wheelchair, um, for a, a while, but it, <sighs> My mom let me do kind of what my, my stepdad was kind of hard on me, but my mom would, um, she would let me do kind of what I wanted, but not, I mean, to an extent, I mean, I had to have good grades and, you know, work on the farm and, um, but as far as racing and stuff, I, and, and most people thought, well, that's, that's the end of that racing career, especially, uh, I saw my Randy Dinkins. He's like, well, you know, I think he said one of the things he said when I got carted off from the stretcher that, that that'd be the last time I seen him at a racetrack or something. But actually, yeah. I was I was down for about a year. It was early, early fifteen years old. So I think I was as soon as okay. So so that story leading to another story. That's uh, I turned. I think I all the story. All the stories are sold. They run together. So. The same group of guys that I was telling you about that I went to race with when I broke my leg, they were still racing. I was on crutches, 15 years old, and there was the Virginia Beach motocross race, which is one of the coolest races I've ever been to in my life. Um, they they block off the beach, they sell all the hotels out to the racers, and they build a motocross track on the race or, or on the beach, you know, to, to race motocross on. So they're like, hey, we're going to the Virginia Beach motocross race. Do you want to go with us? And I was like, Ugh. I was like, well, and I was probably two or three months in on the broke leg, still on crutches. And I was like, well, I would love to go. Let me see if I can. So anyway, my parents let me go. So here I go with a bunch of older guys to the motocross race. Well, one thing I learned out real quick is crutches don't work on sand. So here I am, broke leg on crutches. They did, you know, they they pinned it, metal rod, and needed my hip. I didn't have a cast or nothing. So Needless to say, I learned, I left on crutches and I learned to walk really quick in the sand at Virginia Beach. 
Well, that was a pretty big race that was, you know, that it wasn't a national race, but it was the Mid-Atlantic ATV Association that um, was going on. And a bunch of the big riders would come to that race. You know, there was uh, Keith Little, Greg Little, uh, the Kangaroo Kid, Mac, Mac Couture was there. Um, so I, I got to see a lot of the racers that, you know, that I had been watching on the Waybo's videos or, or seeing in the magazines. And, and, and my buddies were racing. Like I said, I was just there kind of spectating. But one of the coolest things about that trip is we all went out to eat that night in um, Virginia Beach, downtown Virginia Beach. And after going to eat and everybody wanted to go to the bar, I was like, well, here I am, 15 years old. What am I going to do? You know, I can't I can't be their DD. Well, I think we took the, a taxi or a bus or something. But so they all want to go in this bar. And here I am, 15 years old. Well, my one buddy that's like 18, everybody was probably 18 and up. And I think I was 15. So my one buddy that's 18 has a fake ID that says he's 21. Well, he's like, let me just give you my ID that says you're 18. So they'll look, and we didn't look anything alike. I mean, he wasn't nowhere near as good looking as I was. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how it worked. But anyways, he gave me uh, his ID. And we go to the, i never forget it, 15 years old, Peabody's, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And somehow I got into this bar. I, I don't know if they they just knew that. I, I don't know. They let us in. Probably so next thing knew. I know, <laughs> I, I don't know if they knew or no. They probably knew. They didn't care, whatever. But um, I think maybe, or maybe it was even, it might have been a 21 and up only club. And my buddies went in, and then my one buddy, he could like talk anybody into anything. So I think he may, he may have even sweet talked the the doorman or the bouncer or whatever. Be like, hey, let my buddy in. Blah blah blah. He's and that might have been the what. Anyways, I got into this bar at 15 years old, and next thing I know, I'm at the bar hanging out with Keith Little, Greg Little, Kangaroo Kid. Uh, you know, all the guys that are racing pro. At, at the Virginia Beach motocross race. So it's like, just like, holy crap, you know? <laughs> so that was a big, uh, big moment for me. I wasn't racing, but it was one of the coolest moments ever in in my, you know, ATV racing journey that, you know, it was neat. Just 15 years old, here I am hanging out with these guys that I was watching, you know, on TV. That's, that's an incredible story right there. Yeah, I, I don't know how to top that one other than, you get to spend so much time with the the guys that you watch win races or the guys that you see in the magazine or you hear about them. And then when you go back East and you, and you meet them, you know, yeah, face to yeah, face. Absolutely. so, it's so basically incredible. when I got back from that race, I was walking and I, I gradually started trying to ride again without kind of, you know, my, my parents didn't say you could never ride again. They didn't say, you know, you're not going to race or anything. So, so I started riding about as soon as I was walking again. And that was 2002. Yeah, 2002. And, and back to my, uh, my buddy's parents that owned the dealership. Well, the Cannondale had just came out. Well, that thing was way yonder ahead of its time. It was a uh, fuel injected, the 440 come with old one suspension, this and that. Well, my buddy got a demo to ride, and it was the fastest thing I never rode. And I was like, I have to have one of those. 
So I traded my 400X in for the Cannondale. And I don't even think I ever raced it woods. I don't think I ever raced any cross country with it. So I got it early, early 2002. And I went and raced. I, I borrowed, I, I got some 250R front shocks. And I think I just backed off the preload on the rear shock and lowered the rear, like probably the worst setup ever. Put some slicks on and a sway bar from, from my uh, sister's boyfriend that had all this extra stuff. And I went out and I think I won four stroke B or something first TT actual TT race I ever raced. And then I think they had a, the low see North Carolina is huge for TT racing. I, I don't know what it is. There's more TT riders in the state of North Carolina. Like if you go back and look at the national, it's crazy. The amount of TT riders that are from North Carolina. So there's a couple big local series that was always going on here. And they had a spring and a fall series. Well, I think I run like the last race of the spring series uh, after the broken leg. And then going into the fall series, I think I stepped right up to maybe four stroke pro. And I think it was open pro am then. And uh, so my family went in and bought me a, a uh, an axle, a set of A arms, maybe a sway bar to get you know to basically get my bike where uh, where I could ride it. You know where I wasn't riding a stock stock <laughs> bike. That was <laughs> uh, so. And I think the first race out on an uh, actual TT bike, I think I went out and won. I won four stroke pro, and maybe finish like maybe top three in open pro-am or something. So that 2002, I think I ended up actually finishing like second in four stroke pro and maybe third in open pro-am, you know, first time ever running a series. Well, that winter, that was on the Cannondale, you know, I was running with all the guys, uh, the open pro-am stuff was all the 250R stuff. That, that was when, uh, Let's see, Open Pro-Am, I was having to run with uh, Brad and Chucky. Uh, they're still going strong in the TT stuff now. Uh, Brad Rowley and Chucky Creech, we've been racing. Heck, we were basically basically 20 years ago almost. Uh, they, but they were on two strokes, and I was on a four stroke. So I would have to run with, like, uh, Glenn Bailey and Manly Jones. And then the two stroke stuff, there was – I think Chad Lohr might have run some, and then it was Brad and Chucky. But then the winner, the winner of 2002 – they always had a big indoor race, which was uh, John McGee that owned Legacy ATV would always put on this indoor race. It was called the Legacy ATV Triple Crown. I think it's what it was called. And Williamson, North Carolina, um, it was in the winter, but it was this big, it was this big ag complex where they had, I guess they did like big uh, horse arena and they had big covered, covered uh, parking and stuff. So I was 16 and me and my buddy, that was also, he might've been still 15 or he might've just turned 16. We loaded up and we were going to race the indoor race. So we go, it was, it was about four hours from, from us away. And we get down there. And I think on Friday night, my Cannondale had a bunch of issues. And I think I had a, a starter solenoid or something simple that kept me from racing on Friday night. And they'll run Friday night and they'll run Saturday night. And so, anyways, on 
Friday night, I didn't get to race. I had to sit in the stands and watch. And then Saturday night was the bigger night. Everybody would um, kind of show up to spectate on Saturday night. But they had, you know, it was basically the biggest race I'd ever been to at the time because a lot of the pros would come down. Uh, Natalie was there. The Lost Creek guys were there. Um, Diver and Luberg. Um, you know, so, so a lot of the national pros would come to that race. And anyways, I ended up getting my bike fixed on Saturday. So Saturday, I ended up winning. I ended up beating Natalie in four-stroke pro. And then I think I finished third in open pro. And, you know, it was a big deal because, you know, you had the podium and you had the microphone and all the fans. And I never experienced anything of that. Well, and then I got my first big check. You know, that was I here. I'm 16 years old. Uh, went to this indoor race. I just won four stroke pro beat Natalie. Um, and then open pro am, I think it was <sighs> Natalie might've won that one. And then maybe, uh, Dungleberger or Luberg or diver, one of the lost Creek guys, I think finished, finished, uh, second, but here I am, you know, getting to have this big interview in front of all these fans with, with these guys and hold this big check up in the air. I mean, I mean, I say big check. It was like, I think it was, I still got it. It was like $450 or something, but I think I won about another four or $500 for winning four stroke pro. So that was like, man, here at 16 years old, I just won $900 racing four others, you know, Holy crap. And I'm rich, I think I'm I could, rich and I never have to work on the farm again. Yeah. I was like, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it was uh it was crazy for, for me to to go and do that at such a young age. And then I think it might have been that weekend that maybe John at Legacy had had kind of started noticing me or not, noticed me or whatever. So I think I bought or he gave me a discount because I had like, I think I had converted my Cannondale over to 250R plastic, but it had no graphics or nothing, you know, just, it was, it was just, you know, didn't have much looks to it. But I think he cut me a deal in a, in a graphics kit. So um, I never really rode for legacy, but he helped me out and it, it looked cool. That was Oh two. Um, yeah. End of Oh two. So, 03 was when I think it went to – I think they, I think it was the NQRA, maybe the NAX, NAX Racing Summer Nationals or something. I think it was another series. I think, I think uh, Randy Dinkins had left the Mid-Atlantics. I think there were some falling out with the, the AMA or something and created the – pretty sure it was NQRA and I thought I was gonna because 03 I was gonna graduate and I was gonna go off to college well I was gonna sell my I think I sold my Cannondale and I was gonna go off to college and do that well I think I sold my Cannondale and it wasn't probably a week later here I found a hybrid you know because 03 Honda hadn't come out with a 450 yet uh, Yamaha had just released it. Um, so I've seen a CRF hybrid for sale. I'm like, I gotta have that. Well, you know, 16 years old, I 
So I think I drove to Ohio, me and my grandpa picked up a CRF hybrid and I ended up. TT bike or motocross bike? It was a motocross bike um, when I bought it. Um, And then we kind of, I basically just put a different set of shocks on it and put some slicks on it and a sway bar and would run it motocross and TT. Um, so that was kind of the, um, I got a baby crying. I'm going to put it on pause. Yeah. Pause it for just a second. Okay. We're back. So early 2003, I decided I had to have a a hybrid. I bought a, I bought a CRF hybrid motocross bike that, we would switch back and forth from TT to motocross. And it was about that time when I met up with somebody that really added to my, or, or really helped my racing career out. Uh, and, and actually was a, a lot of my racing career, really, who was a uh, Jim Glenn with JFG racing. He was always really big in TT racing. He uh, worked for, Rick Hendrick and had a big NASCAR background. So he was awesome on setup um, and, and loved the, the TT racing aspect of it. We'll get away from the hybrid real quick. He, we was at a TT race and he always had somebody riding. He always had a rider. You know, he, he was basically the owner mechanic and he always had a rider. Well, his rider had got hurt in the heat race and I always ran, there was two stroke pro, there was four stroke pro, and then there was open pro-am. So I would run, you know, my four stroke and four stroke pro and open pro-am. And then the two stroke guys would run two stroke pro and then meet up and open pro-am. So we'd run together. Well, his rider had got hurt, I think in the heat race. And I knew Jim, but I never really knew him on like a, personal i wasn't like on a personal break basis you know i was young i didn't have a big circle of friends in the in the atv racing world you know a lot of the races i went to by myself and once i turned 16 you know i could and i would i would have to uh you know you got the parental guardian line on all your forms and stuff i had to lie about my age again you know i had to tell them i was 18 so i could sign up to race but uh Back to back to Jim and his rider, uh, I think Bradley Ader was riding for him at the time, and he got hurt. And somebody said something to me about, "Hey, you want to ride Jim's bike in Two Stroke Pro?" And I was like, "I, you know, never never rode a two fifty R. Always rode the four stroke stuff." And so, so I put Bradley's gear on and rode Jim's bike pretending to be Bradley so they could get points in two stroke pro for the championship. Well, that was some of the wildest bunch of guys. I think there was about two or three restarts. It was some of the wildest bunch of guys ever raced with in my life. Um, but anyways, first time riding the 250 R ended up doing really well on it. Um, didn't win or nothing. Uh, may have finished third or fourth, but it wasn't maybe, I feel like it was within a couple months. Jim Jim calls me and he's like, "Hey, you want to you want to race my bike?" And I was like, I, "Yeah, I would love to." <laughs> so then, absolutely. You know, sixteen years old, a guy's gonna let me ride his bike. Gonna gonna me show up and race his bike. 
So um, I had the CRF hybrid that I would race in four stroke pro, and then we'd run his 250R. It was a Herman racing um, 265 power valve. Um, we would race it and two stroke pro, and then we would run whichever one we're fastest on in four and open pro am. So that really worked out good. And, and he taught me a ton. He taught me everything as far as setup, as far as, um, tire compounds, as, as far as, uh, rebounds and compression and ride heights and, and everything that has to do with, you know, TT racing. Like he was a guru of it all, you know, and, and I would ride the bike and he said, what's it doing? What's it need? What's it this? What's it that? And I would tell him and he would fix it. And I mean, it was like, the greatest thing ever because I, I didn't know the first thing about shocks when i was uh riding my own stuff or or i had one set of, i had one set of tires that i raced all year on and he's got a trailer full of tires that we changed two or three times throughout the race or the race weekend <laughs> um, so that so that's where my um race that's where i met him and then 2000 well, back to back to 03 with that series. I think I ended up winning um ended up winning one of the championship classes. And I think we finished second in the other two. And also that year was oh, back up to prior to that. Uh right before I sold the Cannondale was my first tt national i went and raced the birch creek national it was the first year i think it was 02 it was the first year of the pro production class so the the yfc's had maybe it was early it was early 03 right before i sold to cannondale and got the hybrid um they had the pro production class so i raced uh pro production and then i raced open pro-am so the pro production class was there wasn't many of us because there wasn't that many production bikes in 2003. There was the Players Predator. Um, there was the, just a couple people had a YFZ. I think Mike Walsh had a YFZ and maybe one other guy. And then there were no parts for it. So I think they had like a short and stock swing arm. And and then there was me and one other guy on Cannondale's. And then Jackie Meadows was actually riding a – kfx 700 set up for tt wow um, and then so those are the main guys and there's a few more but they're, they're, the class wasn't that big like open pro am and the pro class had 20 riders but pro production might have had 10 riders so but here i am you know never raced a national and go up there and i, I had actually heard about that because like i said i didn't have a big circle of of atv racing family then because i just got into it and I actually heard about the national coming to town on the radio because Birch Creek was only probably an hour and a half from us. And here I am just knowing about the local stuff. And they're like, Oh, EDT nationals, AMA, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm going to race that. So the first thing I learned when I got there is I couldn't run my number because somebody else already had it because the pro number is AMA. So I had to put a one in front of my number. And so I learned that really quick. But I think I ended up finishing sixth in pro production, but then in open pro am or it might have just been pro am. You know, there was there was all the guys. There was 
you know, Jeremiah and Shane and Timmy and um, Ogden and, you know, everybody, everybody that run pro at CT run pro-am. I think I finished like 15th or something, you know, so I I learned real quick that, you know, I I wasn't on those guys level, but back to, back to 03, 03, I graduated high school and I I was like in the, in the motorsports. That's what I wanted to do. I was all about it. I was like, man, I I wanted to go to MMI. So motorcycle mechanics Institute, uh, packed up, haven't even turned, what hadn't even turned 18 years old yet, packed up, moved to Florida and went to MMI. I took my hybrid with me. You know, I raced uh, a few times while I was there. Actually, the NQRA had the following year in 2004, the opening round was at Speed World in Orlando, Florida. They did a motocross on, I think, Friday, and then they raced TT on Saturday. Well, I think I broke a spindle or something. I think I'm in in motocross on Saturday um, because I was looking – MMI was in Orlando, so a bunch of my buddies was coming down to race, and I had my hybrid. Well, Jim sent his 250R down for me to ride, so I had two bikes to ride at that event. But I think I broke a spindle or something to motocross on day one and got it fixed. But for the TT, um, Harold and – I think Harold was on a – Harold just had put a YFC together. Um, oh, that was 04. So Harold had a YFC. I think just a couple Hondas was out, but I had my CRF. My CRF was was pretty fast compared to everything else. And I pulled the whole shot in pro and led just about the whole race in pro uh, ahead of Harold. Harold was eating me up the whole race. And then about the last lap or the second to last lap, Harold kind of gave me a nudge and I stalled the bike and ended up finishing like last or something or but it led the whole race and then that happened. So, so from then on out, I kind of had a bad taste in my mouth for Harold because he didn't do anything to me. I just lost, but I was like, Harold beat me and blah, blah, made me stall the bike. But Harold is one of the nicest guys ever that helped me throughout my TT racing career more than probably any other racer uh, when it comes to that stuff. Cause he, he would rather help you out and beat you. Like he, he would love to help you and then still beat you. Like that was Harold. Like he would tell you, he would tell you how to be faster because he knew he was going to beat you. But from about exactly. 04 to 07, I didn't, I didn't race much cause I was in Florida going to school and finally moved back in early 2007, uh, six, yeah, 2007. And hadn't been back long, and me and Jim Glenn with JFT Racing had got hooked up again. He had built a, a TRX 450R, and he's like, hey, come ride my bike. So I raced a couple local races, and I think that was 07. And then the, there was a couple close nationals. We, uh, we raced – we went to the first uh birch creek was um going on again went to birch creek and i think i ran so i hadn't been i hadn't been racing more so i was like i'm not gonna run pro i was like i can't run pro i hadn't raced in a while i think i ran pro am and i ran four stroke a that was 07 and i won four stroke a and i think kendall webb had been winning all the a classes he was kind of like the the dominant one but i beat kendall and then i think i finished maybe I don't know, maybe eighth or so in open pro-am. 
And I think we ran Dixieland Speedway and then we went to Ashtabula. And I think, no, actually Dixieland, I think we had like a, like, like the label was the last national of the year. I think we had like a seventh or eighth and it progressed. So we decided for 2008, we were going to run the whole series. You know, they were, we were going to run all the locals. We were all the, I was working for a motorcycle dealership then, so they kind of understood the racing aspect of it. And, they're, you know, they would let me off. And so 2008, the very first race of the year, we go to Greenbrier, Arkansas, Twin Creeks Raceway. And at that point in time, well, we, we decided we were going to run pro. Now was my first pro TT race um at the tt nationals and at that time they had started racing or started doing qualifying pro time qualifying on friday nights well we got there you know it was a 10 or 12 hour ride whatever it was pretty ways away so we practice on friday and then we do pro time qualifying and we felt really good in practice like we were uh pretty close to everybody's pace in practice so it felt pretty good about it and we went out for pro time qualifying, but you don't know where you stack up until they post the list on the, you know, like a scoring tower. So we did pro time qualifying and um, then we go up there and there's a bunch of people standing around for, for them to post a list for pro time qualifying. Well, when they posted the uh, qualifying order for pro, I was fast as qualifier. Um, gotta love that huh so first you know and and i think it was it may have been danny mcgraw or danny mcgraw's mom or somebody sitting there they're like who the hell is kirby cook and i'm like standing there and I'm like, that's me right i'm right here and they're like where did you come from? i'm like they're like where did you come from i was like i you know i was like i ran a couple pro-am races last year i think i think we raced three three races the three nationals the year before um you know i was like i won a couple of the a classes and you know run some of the did okay in pro am but so pro time qualifying you get pro you get first gate pick or first you know fastest heat race you know usually two heat races but you get you know first gate pick and so here i am first pro tt national out here in front of like harold and um all the guys i think shane i think shane may um Maybe it may have been the year that Shane retired, but here I am getting first gate picking for all these guys. Well, long story short, I, I didn't have a good race. Uh, I think the pressure pressure might have got to me. I think I finished maybe. I think I I think I did finish top ten, you know. But but I didn't after I, after I got first and you know time qualifying, I kind of got disappointed on that. I think we finished about eighth or ninth. Well, that year. 07 or 08, I think it went to the to the Duro Extreme Dirt Track Nationals. They were the big sponsor. Well, that weekend, I guess Jim had talked to the Duro guys, and we picked up a Duro sponsorship where they were going to give us tires. Well, the tires weren't the greatest, and I think they are probably what held us back in 08. But we were low budget, no budget, hey, free tires. You know, that right. we're going to run them. Um, but you had to you had to groove the crap out of them. You had to cycle them to make them even remotely work. They were heavy, um, so that kind of held us back a little bit at the nationals in 08. I think I finished eighth in pro and eighth in pro light for the year. 
Um, but for the, lo- I think I did really well in the local series. We still had the big Southern ATVA local series. I think I might've finished second in the pro class. And for the fall series, I think I won one of the championships. So, Oh, end of 08 was when I think fuel diesel prices and stuff was like $5 a gallon and stuff was, it was really expensive to travel. It really took a toll on us. So I think we missed the, something happened. Me and Jim kind of had a, uh, not necessarily a falling out, but I really wasn't, I couldn't really race much. And then he had let somebody else ride the bike and we didn't really go separate ways, but we kind of weren't planning on racing the far off races. Cause the first one was like Pennsylvania or somewhere. Well, so I missed the first two races of, of 09. And then the third race was going to be Birch Creek. Well, Birch Creek, like I said, it's only like an hour and a half, two hours from the house. Well, Jason Rush had somebody riding a bike for him. Um, Jordan Rummage, he was a, a local guy that I raced with growing up. Um, and he had ended up getting hurt. So he raced all the locals with us and then he would run the close nationals. Well, he had got hurt. So Jason called me and he's like, Hey man, you want to ride my bike at Birch Creek? And I was like, yeah, man, I, you know, I, I really haven't thought about racing much, but yeah, yeah. I'd love to ride it. So that bike was Shane hits bike. So Shane retired in 08. Jason bought Shane hits bike beginning of 09. So it was Shane hits pro bike. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I want to. Yes, I want to ride Shane Hit's pro bike. Um, Because <laughs> Shane Hit was like my idol, like my childhood hero growing up, watching and like I think he won Shane. I think Shane won the championship in like '97, maybe '98. Then I think Timmy won. I think one. it was. I think it was '96. '90 somewhere in there, and then '96 like or '97. I think it was 97. Then Tim won it in 98. And then maybe Doug, maybe Doug won it in 99 and then Spader in 2000. But for some reason, I just like Shane. Shane was, um, Shane was just a, a, a redneck from West Virginia, um, you know, and down to earth, like super nice guy. Uh, so, and, but I always like Shane and, but yeah, I definitely wanted to go race Shane's pro bike at Birch Creek. I hadn't raced all year and we went and seemed like we decided we were going to focus on pro. Um, Cause I hadn't been riding much, you know, the stamina probably wasn't there. So like, we're going to focus on pro. Well, long story short, I ended up podium in, in pro. I finished third, first ever pro podium, first time riding that bike. Um, so once again, everybody's like, where the hell did you come from? You know, I'm, I think I was, uh, I think Harold won, uh, maybe Michael Coburn might've finished second, but anyways, first ever pro podium, uh, third round of the 2009 season. So that kind of got us pumped and we're like, well, Ashton Buell is the next race. Wasn't planning on racing, um, nothing far off, but like, hell, we, we just pro podium. We got to go to, you know, Ashton Buell. You know, if, and and um, and he's the same guy's going to let you ride his bike again. So same same guy. He's like, yeah, yeah. Let's. Jason's like, yeah, hell yeah. Let's load up. Let's load up and go to Ashtabula. So, go to Ashtabula. Um, we decide we're going to run pro and pro am. 
or pro M unlimited. There was, that's, that's the thing about CTs. You could always run, you know, pro and pro am or pro am unlimited. Um, I think we run pro and pro am unlimited and Shane had come back. So Shane brought his iconic 250R out and was going to run pro am unlimited with us. The, uh, the spark, the iconic sparks 250R that he had so much success on. Um, so we, uh, I think we, we might've finished like seventh or eighth in pro, um, uh, leading up to Ashtabula. So we always run American racers at all our local stuff. And that's kind of all we knew back then because all our local races were red clay, North Carolina, red clay, full of moisture, um, uh, slick, you know, just, so we always run the American racers. Well, about that time, Maxis had introduced the Maxis Razor TT. Well, there was none out there yet. And I was working at the motorcycle dealership then. And I was like, well, I'm going to order a set. So I, I, I just ordered a set, you know, on my parts account at the motorcycle dealership from like Parts Unlimited, uh, one set of tires. And I was like, let's take these things to Ashtabula and try them. So we took them to Ashtabula, tried them. They worked really well. They were they worked awesome on the dry, slick, and dusty stuff. So Shane ran with us in Pro M Unlimited. Anyways, I ended up winning Pro M Unlimited and being on the podium with Shane. And so that was another huge moment in my ATV racing career. I uh beat Shane on his bike that we bought from her that Jason bought from him. <laughs> and then I was on the podium with Shane who was like my childhood hero. So it was like huge, huge deal. First ever pro-am win on the podium with Shane. Um, but back to the Maxis deal, <clears throat> whenever uh, tires worked awesome, but the contact patch on them, um, like if you looked across the tire, the contact patch was kind of wavy and they, you know, they were, they worked really good, but you know, there were some improvements could have been made. But when I got back to, uh, I think, I think I was at the maybe killing time at the motorcycle. Dealership. So anyways, I just went on the Maxis website and went to like feedback or something, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Hey, uh, you know, to whom it may concern, just want to let you know that I uh, bought a set of the Razor TT tires. They worked really awesome. Uh, actually won the Pro-Am class at the Ashtabula TT race. Um, but, you know, the contact patch uh, is not that great on it, and this could be better. And, you know, so it so really didn't, didn't – the email was just telling them that they could improve their tire. And I think we ran – Uh, maybe four. Maybe we ran the rest of the races. So we missed the first two and run the won the rest of the or run the rest of the races. I think we went to Taylorsville after that, Taylorsville, Illinois, and pulled the whole shot in pro class, first ever pro podium. Get the because Harold Harold was Harold Goodman was the whole shot king. Like he would pull every single whole shot in every single pro class. Well, I pulled the start in pro and I got the ATV riders hundred dollar whole shot award, the big check, you know, and I actually made Harold sign it 
uh because <laughs> he like, i was like he he put on it you got the start on me or something uh harold the moment goodman you know because i was still new to the you know i was racing with these guys but they were still my heroes you know i watched them growing right. up um i was probably you know i probably was only 20 21 then uh but i pulled the whole shot and then a few laps in i took a big tumble and got knocked out like out cold um so that red flagged I, I think I, I i finished the race but you know it was a i finished like last or close to it um so i think 10 or nine i don't think we finished i don't think i ran enough races to even have any like really good results but leading up to 2010 we weren't going to race i wasn't going to pursue a any of the national stuff, you know, whatever, someone wants me to ride their bike, whatever. And then I got an email one day from Max's Tire Internet. It might have been CST or, uh, you know, because they're Max's is owned by, you know, CST, but um, it was uh, Harry from Max's Tires. And it was a sponsorship contract. Never heard anything from them, from my email I sent them or nothing, but they had my email and they sent me a sponsorship contract all off of that feedback email that I sent them in 2009, you know, Hey, uh, Maxis racing international, blah, blah, blah. Um, we want to offer you a contingency program for 2010 and give you 50 free tires. I'm like, Holy crap. You know, a, a TT tire is a hundred at that time it was a hundred dollars a piece. I'm like, that's, that's five. That's, that's our whole budget of tires for the whole year. Um, you know, and, and I never got any, you know, I got some help, um, small help, but never, never no big, big sponsors. So here they are going to give me all the tires I could dream of. I'm like, man. So I called Jason. I'm like, man, I just got an email. Uh, Max's tires want to sponsor us for the year. All the, you know, all the tires we could ever need. And he's like, well, let's do it. You know? So at that time I had kind of started dabbling with the hot rod stuff and um i had was doing my own powder coating business and still working at the motorcycle dealership so we're like well heck yeah we're gonna you know this is the biggest sponsor we've ever had so we powder coated the bike all up orange and white put the big maxis on the you know the hoods for the, the side of the shrouds tank shroud stuff and uh we were gonna go do this and the first Nash had one of the nicest looking, but everybody's like, holy crap, you know, that's an awesome looking bike. My bike's always really good just because I had attention to detail, you know, from the from the hot rod scene. And um, they were always kind of and later on they got really loud in colors and stuff, could be spotted. But I think we went out first race of the year. It was um a local track that we raced on, Robins Ridge, that it was within a couple hours. But we'd raced there locally and the national was going to be there. So I think we double podiumed the very first race out at, at in 10 um, at Robin at Ridge. I'm finished, I think third in pro and then second in pro-am maybe, but that was a big, big start to the season. And so we, we ran um, pretty consistent all year, had a bunch of podiums in, Pro, oh, no, I had two. Only had two podiums. Only had two podiums in pro that year, but had a bunch of podiums in pro am. 
Um, never could get a pro-am win, um, but I think we finished second overall in pro-am and third in pro for the year in 10. And also in 10, I think I won the Southern ATVA EDT championship in pro and pro-am. So 2010, we got that. We pretty much run every single race from everywhere. I mean, we, the local stuff, the national stuff. And then that was the year they did the Lucas oil shootout or Lucas oil. Um, they did it in SEMO, uh, Missouri or somewhere out there. Um, so Lucas oil wanted to televise in a TT race or, or an ATV race. And it was uh, on the Lucas oil, Lucas oil on the edge series or whatever it was. So we're like, Oh yeah, we're definitely going to run that one. So we go out there to that, to that race and they did short track. They did short track on the oval and then they did TT. Well, we won the pro short track race. I mean, we like dominated the the short track race. I mean, the, the Max's tires were freaking amazing. Like they were so hooked up, like chunks of them were coming off. Like after, after the race, there were like chunks of the tire missing. It was crazy, but, um, they had, um, uh, what's the iconic, announcer commentator for lucas oil um i can't think of it he was there doing the interview and so it was it was really neat to be televised for that and then we ended up podium and we finished third in tt in a pro class so it was it was really cool being televised on tv and getting to be on it was on speed channel uh speed channel lucas only lucas oil on the edge or whatever it was um so that really boosted things in 2010 and I think it was at that race that I actually, you know, I was always running uh, Daryl's stuff. Um, I was always, always running RAS stuff. But that was actually the race that I think I actually struck up a friendship with Daryl because he was there. And, you know, he was like, hey, man, uh, holler at me next year. Like, whatever you need, holler at me. You know, so, uh, so here we have, we got the Maxis deal. Um, we picked up. Now, now Daryl's going to help us out. So, actually, I may may even started building the rest up then. Um, but but ten was a really successful year. Um, I say ten, but I feel like ten was one of my most successful years as far as results. Um, but then two thousand eleven, you know, like I said, Daryl uh, got all the rest stuff. Daryl helped us out. And then that was when I went to, so Harold, Harold was running rage, rage ATV stuff, his motors, um, having really good luck with, with rage stuff. And I was like, well, if I can't beat him, join him. So I called D out in Texas and I was like, Hey, I, I would, you know, like for you to do a motor for me. So he sent me a, at that point in time, I, you know, I did my own motors. I, I assembled all my own stuff. Um, D, D would build my head, cam, piss in, everything, but I would put it together. So here we got um, a new Maxis deal again. I think they bumped up the, the contract. Um, and 10, I think 10 is when we had Maxis and Honda contingency because we think we bought a, I bought a new bike that was, two years old or newer or whatever it had to be to run Honda contingency. So we actually, we actually made some money, not made money. There's no making money in any form of racing. It seems like, but we, uh, 
would, you know, you, you would podium or, or win a race and you would get Honda contingency money and you'd get Maxis contingency money plus, you know, winnings money. So we, we were, we, you know, we were getting some money back and that meant a lot, you know, just for the, the fuel costs and whatnot. But then, uh, 2011, that was when we really had stuff working, uh, had the motor, had all the, had suspension, um, Wayne PP, you know, shocks were, were on point. Um, I think the, no, 11, we popped a motor. We popped a motor very first race in 11. That's when I went to rage. That was when I said, you know, if I can't beat him, join him, I called rage. So D got me new stuff for the second, I think it was the second national. We went to maybe Oklahoma and me and Harold qualified one, two, um, first, my first race on the, the rage stuff. So it was obviously working. And then I think we podiumed in pro-am on all the new setup stuff. And then in pro, I was running really good and a, and a tire fell off. Um, a lot of them proclaimed it for a, a, a late night out at the bar to forget to tighten your lug nuts. But, uh, that was another thing that while we enjoyed the, the TT race and you could, <laughs> yeah, we don't, I don't think we had to practice till 12 o'clock and, you know, on Saturday. So you get there on Friday, you practice and you can go out to the bar and, and party with everybody. And heck, you can wake up hungover and still race. Uh, I think that that <laughs> might've been. You're not supposed to give that secret out. You don't want the young guys thinking that it's, that it's all fun and games, right? Uh, so that was uh, some of the, some of them said that, that that late night was a credit to that wheel not being tight and, and falling off. Uh, um, 11, we I think 11, I probably had more pro podiums and I won, I won a bunch of the unlimited pro M unlimited, but I just never could. I think that year, I think I finished second in pro or no, I finished third in pro and second in pro M. I just never could beat Brad, Brad with Brad Riley. I mean, he's still today the man to beat. Um, I just never could, you know, I, I could beat him at some places. But he he was always the one to come out on top. Um, I was, I was just to that and ask who was your biggest nemesis. Yeah, it was. Uh, well, Harold, you talked a lot. Harold, about Harold. Yeah, Harold was up until I think Harold might have about about eleven or so. Harold was kind of aging out. I guess you say he was pushing probably forty. Um, but he was, man, he was fast, but he would help me. You know, I could ask him anything. He would help me. Um, cause he'd rather, like I said, he'd rather help me and beat me than not. Um, right. but, but then Brad and the re and honestly, the reason I would always run unlimited pro M unlimited is cause Harold didn't run unlimited. And I was like, man, that's one less class. I got to deal with Harold in, but then I had to deal with Brad right. and then Coburn had a, had a few, uh, Michael Coburn had a few years where he was fast. Um, so, so 11 was really, um, a, a good year. Uh, I think we had a, a couple bad, I think I, I think we might've had a couple DNFs in that first DNF and then maybe something happened another pro race, but 11 was, uh, probably one of my best years. Um, we, Ashtabula, Ashtabula, we won, uh, I ran all three classes at Ashtabula pro pro am unlimited and pro am just because it's ashtabula right and you know that's that's like the 
mecca of TT racing. Um, you know, it's, it's a weekend party, you know, it's, it's a two day event because they don't have lights. So you race on Saturday, you race on Sunday, you, you get there on Friday practice, you race on Saturday, you, you race on Sunday. Um, so we really enjoyed Ashtabula and I think we, I was the fastest thing there in 11 at Ashtabula. We qualified, I think we might've qualified number one or number two. Uh, I won Pro-Am Unlimited. I finished second in Pro-Am. And then the Pro class, I ate Harold up the entire race. Um, a lot of the guys would get the bumper. Like, I did not mind giving somebody the bumper. Uh, a lot of the TT tracks was one line. You had to use the bumper to move somebody. So I did not mind at all using a bumper. But I respected Harold. Um, I, I got a nose in on Harold more than once at, at, and that's the thing. Like I had a very successful TT racing career, but I never won a pro national. I podiumed a bunch. I finished second a bunch. I won a bunch of pro-am races, but I never won a pro national. Um, and Ashtabula 2011 was my chance at winning a pro national, but I, had enough respect for Harold, I guess, to not give him the bumper. Um, I looking back, should I do? I wish I would have. Yeah, um, you know, I, I was way faster than him, but Harold didn't make any mistakes. He knew how to he knew how to steal your line from you. He knew, you know, he was a he was a veteran. You know, he'd been doing it for three times longer than I had, so he, he didn't make any mistakes. And but still super successful weekend, um, you know, triple podium, one unlimited, finished second in the other two. Uh, and and Ashtabula has always got a ton of riders in each class. So, you know, the, the purses were really big. Plus, I got, you know, the Honda contingency, the Maxis contingency. So it, it was a good weekend of racing. You know, it was like what it should be like. Right. Uh, but that that was, you know, Ashtabula is the like if you're going to go to a go to a TT race. You go to Ashtabula. I mean, there's so it's just it's a party in itself. Um, and and I don't know if you can say you raced Ashtabula if you went up there and and didn't go to the rare cherry. Um, back to the showing up, uh, hung over to you know some of the some of the races. I, th I think one year there was even a blow up doll that was in the pits that that was. Uh, yeah, that's a that's another that's story that story there, buddy. Yeah, so you, think that, the, uh, you think maybe that uh, you calmed your nerves a little before the races, and that's that's what helped you. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Oh man, there, that's the thing. There was there was some fun times at the, you know, Willett, uh, Zach Willett, and heck, that was oh seven or eight or something. He would bring like a full blown DJ and like a musicians to some of the races and they would full on party. Um, you know, Zach, that was back. I think that was early, like Oh seven, Oh eight. And, uh, there was a couple of like the, uh, I had about the whole time I raced, there was the Tennessee mafia boys. They would roll up and there was probably four or five of those guys that raced and they would roll up with, uh, speakers that were, five feet tall rolling them out of the trailer with a hand truck and uh 
you know, setting up a party with a stripper pole and, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was a big, you know, you were having fun when those guys were there. Um, you know, there were so many that it wasn't about a lot of it wasn't about the racing. It was the, the racing family and the people you met and the experiences you got to make. And, you know, there's so many different people. It's like, uh, there's the Wolf Pack from the Midwest, you know, Nathan Wolf and Jared and all those guys, like they were a big party and themselves that come to the races and then the Tennessee mafia boys. And then when the, the, uh, the new East guys from up North started coming down and, you know, it was, uh, and then, um, uh, Kevin Bailey, the announcer, he always had a margarita mixer going at all times, you know, so it, it was more fun than, you know, anything. Um, awesome. It, so, it, you know, it, like I said, it was family, you know, cooking and, you know, always just like big cookout, whether you had a bad day at the, may have had a bad day racing, but it was always going to be a good time. Um, that's, that's one of the themes that, that goes along with ATVs is the family that you have at the racetrack. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You don't, yep. get to, you don't get to choose your blood. And you know what? I don't, I don't think you get to choose your ATP family. I think it chooses you. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. I've met that. so many, I've, I've met so many people and got to do so many things um, through ATV racing. You know, I, I've got to go, I've got to go to Belgium and, and do monster truck shows and, and uh, Puerto Rico. And, you know, just because of ATV racing, you know, it, it's, you know, some of them times are, you know, amazing just, you know, from the family that I've met through racing. You know, it was, that's so cool. It was, you know, it's good. I think, but about 12, 2000, well, 2011, like I said, was really a good year, but I started kind of getting, I wouldn't say burnout, but I, um, I kind of wanted to branch out. I think 11, 2011, I ran a couple GNCCs. I ran Steel Creek. Um, that yeah, cause it's in, it's in North Carolina. I got, I think I won, I actually won down there. And then there's a big hair scramble association that runs local, I run some of those. And I think I went and ran Loretta's, um, went and ran Loretta's motocross national out there. Um, just like I said, I, I didn't get, I wouldn't say burned out, but I just enjoyed riding other aspects. And so I started kind of branching out and then 12, was kind of when things went uh, downhill, I guess. Uh, there was a – we went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and the at that time, the promoter of the series was basically Michael Coburn Racing, who also raced in the pro class with us. And that Sioux Falls race was his home track. So it was already kind of a conflict of interest with the owner of the series racing in the pro class with us. Well, out there at that race, it was a two day event. And I think we, we did really well on the first day, but on the, the second day, the, uh, pro race. Yeah. Pro race. So the, one I was talking about that on the series that raced with us going into the first corner, he cut the track. So he basically, so he basically went into the first turn about, he was about eighth or ninth off the start, but going into the option lanes and coming out, he cut the track, cut in between a tire and passed a bunch of us. 
and come out about second. Well, needless to say, I knew nothing was going to get said about it unless somebody stepped up and said something about it. Um, so I kind of showed my North Carolina redneck ass, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> I, uh, first lap, I mean, it, it, I went straight to the flag stand and I was like, you need to red flag this race, you know, Michael cut the start, blah, blah, blah. And so nothing happened. They didn't do anything to red flag the race here. I just screwed my race all up. Um, I went back on to the track and tried to slow him down. Uh, cause by that time he had made it into the lead. So he wins the race and, you know, I was mad. I was super mad. Uh, I went to the podium and I'm like, you know, he didn't win this race and caused a scene. So anyways, they ended up docking him like two positions or something and still got a third out of it. Um, but, I think the rule is if you cut the track, you get docked a lap or something. So we should have finished like way back. But uh, in the ensemble of all that, uh, basically I stood up for what was right and I gained a lot of uh, not fans, but just respect from a lot of people. Uh, I think it was, I think it was actually Jennifer Rath. Daryl's wife, she's like, I'm proud of you for standing up for what was right. And, you know, there was a bunch of people that, you know, was, you know, like, it's, I'm glad you stood up for what was right because I know nothing would have happened because the way the series was getting run was, was kind of, I guess, miss you. Favorit favoritism, favoritism. So that following week, I got a letter from the AMA in the mail um, you're disqualified from round four of the EDT Nationals, and you're also suspended from round five um, for – I don't remember what the – I still got the letter. I'm going to frame it and hang it up. I'm going to hang on to it. But um, I think it was – I might have been endangering – I don't know what it was. But anyway, so – but round five was Ashtabula. So here I have got suspended from the biggest race of the year, the race last year that I pretty much mopped up. And so I was, I was kind of got disgusted then. Well, uh, somebody started a petition and, you know, about let me race and all this stuff. But I, I couldn't believe the response and the people that was behind me and supported me that was like on like for like standing up for me to race and so but nothing got overturned you know i called and talked to the ama and all this stuff but you know nothing happened whatever i you know i didn't necessarily do i didn't do the professional thing but i did what needed to be done and so the for Ashtabula, the problem with it is it's not that that you got punished for your bad behavior he didn't get punished for his bad behavior Oh yeah, absolutely. So not enough people petitioned. I mean, yeah, not enough people petitioned for you, but not enough people petitioned against him. Yeah, you're right. And whatever it was what it was, but um, the somebody at might have been the maybe in the Tennessee Mafia crew, but anyway, they uh, had all these stickers printed that said uh, "Free Kirby" on them with like 53 and a little jailbird cell thing. Well. <laughs> 
it was crazy the amount of people that run these stickers on their bikes at the Ashtabula race. Like I was like overwhelmed by the um support. Yeah. I mean it, it was just it it was crazy. I like, you know, I you know, I'm not, I wasn't anybody, you know. I yeah, there was all little kids looked up to you and whatnot, but then when all your peers and everybody. Um so I think the following race that I was allowed to go back to was the New York National. And I had this orange jailbird uh t-shirt printed up that you know said inmate 53 and you know I I didn't take a lot of shit and you know and I, but whatever look looking back it it was it was good times but that was kind of when my tt racing i kind of got disgusted with the series and i think that's when the series kind of started really went downhill i think um there might have been one or two more years of uh of the actual atv ama extreme dirt track nationals and then i think i think after like maybe 15 there was no more and that was when, uh, you know, Sean Robinson and the NEDCV picked up things and really started building that. But about 12 was when I – I think I still had like a top five in Pro-Am at the end of the year and a top ten in Pro. But at, after that, I was kind of disgusted with things. And I was like, well, we're going to go – and I'm going to go ride motocross. So 13 – You there? You know, I, I wasn't in shape to go. You know, I had the speed, but I wasn't in shape to go ride motocross. But I enjoyed it. Uh, I liked it. And but heck, at that time, the guys that are, you know, with the guys then, or the, some of the guys that are running pro am and pro now, or have, have run pro and since quit. But um, thirteen, uh, thirteen and fourteen, you know, I ran mainly motocross and. I think I ran production A and four stroke A and, you know, just, just did it for fun. I got back to the fun side of things. Um, cause it, it got, it wasn't fun anymore. And right. so just got back to, like I said, the fun side of things, you know, go out and ride, go out and have fun. And, um, and I don't think I, I don't think I raced any TT. I for probably, that, that that was pretty much that was it pretty much that was pretty much uh 12 was pretty much the end of my uh tt career i like i said i got back to the fun of it 15 um i'd really about quit riding after 14 i was done you know getting you know i think i'd turned 30 and my body had kind of started taking its toll when i and i was really starting to focus on the business and you know the shop and building hot rods and stuff and and then I seen they were going to do ATV Supercross at Daytona. And I'm like, man, that's iconic. You got to go race a, the first, very first ATV Supercross at, at Daytona Beach. Um, so I, I didn't have, a, I didn't have to do a. Please tell me you trained. Uh, yes and no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
no, really, I didn't much because uh, I didn't have a motocross bike at the time. And I think Brett Music had a bike that, or his dad, let's see, CD, his dad, I think, raced and had an identical bike to Brett's Pro-Am bike. And he's um, said he would rent rent a bike. So I basically rented a bike to go race Daytona ATV Supercross. And I just had turned 30. So I think I went around plus 30 and that was another cool way. Everything about that was iconic racing, you know, ATV supercross at Daytona. Um, Corey Ellis came and rode. There was a couple other guys, but I always looked up to, uh, Corey Ellis cause I always ran number 53 and Corey was 53. Well, I didn't run it because Corey Ellis, I run it because the guy that I looked up to, which my sister dated when I was young and got into it, he ran 53. And so that was why I ran that number. And then, you know, but, but then getting to ride with Corey at, at that race, he was actually, he rode that, uh, that Walsh, Walshzilla, that Walsh built that, uh, put that, um, LT 500. Yeah. That crazy. I was thing. there. He was there. Yep. I was there yeah. with a young kid from Southern California named Garen Fuller. Right on. Um, but yeah, I think I, uh, I ended up finishing fourth, you know, I mean, there was like 30, there was 30 some of us, you know, cause I think they only allowed about 16 or 18 would fit on the gate. Might've been 15. So there was 30 some riders trying to, you know, make the event. And, uh, actually, you know, I ended up finishing fourth, which I was super, super happy with that. And I was like, it's, you know, that's awesome. Um, and I ended up running Daytona 15, 17 and 18, 17. I think I finished. Well, actually 16, I built, I had my, I think I had a motocross bike that I had been riding and, and then I had sold it to, uh, Drake, um, Drake and Bob Kaling that he went on to race pro-am and pro, but he let me ride my old motocross bike in 17 and then 18 i decided i was so 18 like i hadn't been on a bike since 17 at daytona so i decided i was going to go race again just for this daytona well 18 didn't fare so well um i pulled the whole shot in the heat race and ran up front for half a lap. And I think, I think you only had to finish like maybe six to make it to the show. So after the finish line jump, there was like a roller going into a corner. Well, after the finish line jump, I think I was running maybe, maybe third. Well, coming over the finish line jump, the throttle hung and sent me over this roller. And basically I wasn't ready for it. So it kind of slid me back on the seat and ejected me about 10 or 15 feet in the air straight to my face. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take a big tumble. My wife now was there and a bunch of my friends. And so she's tore all the pieces and I get up, you know, cause like I said, the, whenever you take a tumble, ever since I broke my femur, I want to get up as soon as I can just to make sure I don't have any broken bones. Well, my mouth's bleeding real bad. And the uh, uh, Daytona International track crew that runs all the NASCAR races and stuff, they're there. And um, 
he takes his flashlight and he's like, let me look at that. And he shines it in my mouth. He's like, Oh my, he's like, you need to go to infield care center. So whenever it, my face hit the ground, it impacted, but I guess my chin hit the inside of my helmet. Well, it busted the inside of my mouth underneath my teeth, like wide open where you could like see all the roots of my teeth. And, um, so they took me to the infield care center. Well, my wife being a, you know, I'm whatever, my mouth's bleeding. I don't know how bad it is. And I'm like, well, let my, let my, well, my girlfriend at the time, I was like, let her in here. She's a trauma nurse. So they get her in there. She's like, you need stitches. I was like, all right. So, well, they can't, they couldn't do the stitches that I needed. Do it. You had to go to the hospital. So they couldn't do the stitches that I needed at the infield care center. So like, we're going to give you an ambulance ride to Halifax regional medical center, which is kind of iconic because you always hear about that medical center from the NASCAR races when such and such transported to Halifax regional. So here I am the ambulance strapped in. I'm like, I don't need to go to the, I don't need to go over there. I don't need to go get my mouth sewed up. I'm like, you know, trying to unstrap myself off the stretcher um, to get out of the ambulance. She's like, you sit down now you're going to get, stitches so i go over there and like you need a cat scan to make sure nothing's broke and um well we were about the first class to run so i'm kind of keeping up with what race is going on what number they're on so my cat scan gets back there's nothing broke they're like all right we can sew you up so they're sewing me up and they get me sewed up pretty quick and you know i'm i'm pretty beat up and but the heat races wasn't even close to being over yet where they had to run lcqs so i'm like well i think i can make it back to run the lcq to be able to run the main and they're like what i'm like yeah i was like they need to get me discharged so i can get back over there where i can run the lcq and make the main well so they got me they got me sewed up um sewed up the inside of my mouth and i got discharged so we rushed back over there i'm getting dressed in the car i told him text bob and then i said get the bike ready so I get back over there and made it in time to race the LCQ. So I think I finished second in the LCQ, uh, made the big show. And then I think I finished sixth or seventh in the main. So it was, it was a interesting time. Um, trip to the ER. The awesome story. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, Daytona and you know, I was like, yeah, not wouldn't miss it for the world. I, I, so that, that was, <laughs> it, it, it Kirby, it has been a pleasure to have you on ATV Talk. I love the story, man. I let you know because I was enjoying it, and and it yeah. goes against everything that I'm told to do. And, yeah, and, and you know, so there's one more. There's one more big story that, real quick. Okay, um, far away. That back to uh, back to the TT. They hadn't raced any TT. 2019, they decide they're going to do a 50th annual um, Legends race at Ashtabula, Ohio. So Sean Robinson sends me, actually he called me. He's like, hey, man, we're going to do a Legends race at the 50th annual Pine Lake uh, TT National and I'm going to start sending out invites to the Legends race. And he's like, I want you to be a part of it. I'm like, wow, man, that's that's crazy. You know, because I, I don't think of myself as a legend in any aspect. But 
you know, then you go back and look at it. The kids that are racing pro was on or now was on like fifties and seventies and 90 miles when I was racing pro. So those kids have moved up and, you know, legends to me was Shane and Timmy and Harold and all those guys. So when I got that invite to the legends race, I was like, man, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I started training. I, I built a, I got a motocross bike and I started riding and I, my wife loves to cook. So I had put on about 40 pounds. I weighed about 220. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. So I started training and got in the best shape of my life. Um, went to Ashtabula 19 to run um, the Legends Ray, or, you know, called uh, Jim Glenn. You know, like I said, that I've had my a lot of my racing career with. I was like, hey, you know, you got a bike I can ride. So basically, he'll let me ride a bike at any time. He's like, absolutely. He's like, man, show up, you can ride. So went to Ashtabula in 19. Felt really good. I was like, well, I'm going to run pro too. Um, so, I, so I signed up for pro. And then, you know, also the Legends race. Well, um, the Legends heat race, I got tangled up with Tim Farr. Or I hit a tire and Tim Farr hit me. And so I had a back row start in the Legends race. And somehow or another, the the C parted on the start. And I come off the gate like maybe fourth. And I was like, we're winning this thing. So I picked off a couple guys and got in the lead and led most of the race. Well, Mitch Reynolds was also making his comeback. And Mitch was flying. And I knew he was going to be the one I had to contend with. Well, he caught me about a couple laps in, but I was able to hold him off and was and did what we set out to do. Went up there and won the Legends race. Uh, that that was like super iconic because all the guys were there. You know. Um, uh, Wait a minute, let me interrupt you. You said you never won a national. That's yeah, a national, dude. That that, that is that, that's the that's the biggest TT race ever. And You're right. You so, yeah, you're right. so you got to back that. You got to take that back. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're right. And what made that event awesome is all the guys were there. Uh, Jimmy White, Jackie Meadows, uh, Dean Sundahl, Lenny Lewis, uh, I Mickey Dunlap, Curtis Sparks, uh, Tom Mike. Carlson. They were all there. Yep. It was the most iconic racing event I'd ever been to in my life. And you know that that was really special and that was kind of the I guess that was where i kind of finished off my tt racing career that you know i got the you know the got the the belt you know this awesome like trophy that had these belts made and um but that was the probably highlight of my career there was winning the legends race and you know being in that fashion with all those guys there and all the guys i'd race with because timmy i think timmy and shane and uh, mitch ended up finishing second I held him off. Um, and then Zach Stanley, another local North Carolina boy that I've been racing with for probably 20 years. I think he rounded out the podium, but to race with all those guys and all my family there and, um, all the, like I said, the family of ATV or the, you know, not necessarily my actual family, but my racing family being there. Um, that was the highlight of my career right there. That's all. That is, a, that made the whole story right there, brother. Absolutely. So I am going to use that in my promo of, of the event that, that you didn't tell the truth, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get that. We'll get that out there in the promo that you got to listen to the end to find the, the, the truth of, uh, uh, of Kirby because 
He didn't, he, and it, you, you, you let it off. Great. And I don't think that you really realized that you won a national, you know, until I, until we just talked about it because you said it with such sincerity that you hadn't won a national. Yeah. I mean, I, and I had, and I never actually won the pro class, you know, the you did just win the pro don't, don't even go there. You just <laughs> yeah. the pro class. Yeah. That is the ultimate yeah. pro class. When you get all those guys, you know, together, and you race a race like that, you're you're breaking time. Yeah, that's yeah, Harold. You know, Harold was there racing with us. You know, it was it was all the guys. It was it was the big deal. You know, all the guys that uh, for years. But that was definitely the the hang it up moment. Yeah, you couldn't have picked a better. You couldn't have written a, written a better story. No, absolutely not. That's so incredible. That's that's so awesome, Kirby. It was an honor and a pleasure to have you on ETV Talk. I hope this is where it, in every episode I extend the invitation to have you back. Um, Absolutely, a long episode. Um, we're, we may break this into two um, because it's so long. But I really enjoyed the story and your background and where you come from. And like I said, when I promote this, I'm going to use that against you uh, <laughs> because you, you, you didn't. You weren't 100 percent honest with me, um, but winning that race that's incredible uh, unfortunately my brother and i didn't get to make it um and i wish we would have um, but business is business and we were, we were absolutely with with what we were doing on the west coast so there was no there was no chance um yeah understandable again thank you so much for coming on atv talk um please know that i will be back in touch with you um, and I will get you on another show, probably a chat with some other TT riders. Awesome, man. I, I would, that'd be awesome. And if you know anybody that I should be talking to you, please, uh, forward their information to me and, and I will get them on the show uh, and make sure you tell them that you're giving me their info first, because okay. some people, when I call them up, they're like, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> It throws them off because they don't exactly understand what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Lenny, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure, man. My pleasure. That that story at the end made it, made it, uh, I mean, it was good before, but it made that 100%, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's awesome. And congratulations on that win, man. Thank you. That's good. I, 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 I hope that I get to retire with a with a with an iconic win like that yeah and I, and I still enjoy riding like i said i i just built a a walsh hybrid you know crf hybrid that that i'm probably an hour away from being done with so i can ride it but you know i just i stay so busy you know i just want to ride you know but with you know the new kid and and stuff i, I kind of a lot focus all my time on him and my wife so in the business and there's not much time for riding but i still definitely it's still my passion um, I still, I still enjoy it. Thank you again, Kirby. You, you have a wonderful night. All right, man. Thank you. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, 
Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.